Hello everybody and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock and joined as always by the co-host Challen Rogers. Challen, also the captain of the Toronto Rock, shouldn't leave that part out. And I'm doing great. You're doing great. great. Not wonderful today, but great. great. Um, can I can I share with um, our listeners what you first said to me yesterday when I asked you how you were doing when you came to say hello in my office. Do you remember what you said? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said, hey, Chal, how you doing? And you said, good. I'm looking forward to starting the season on December 22nd. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do recall that. Is that okay to share that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think we'll start no, there. I said start the season again. Oh, again. Again on, on the December 22nd. Yes. Sorry. Maybe I just said <laughs> that's a key word, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So how did you um how did you feel about your play then, I guess, on Saturday night? Let's start there. Uh I thought I played all right. I think there's some plays I'd like to have back, some shots I'd like to shoot in different spots, some passes I'd like to have back, but all in all I think it was uh good good good. It was good good. <laughs> it was good good. <laughs> good good start. Uh so an eleven seven win. A workmanlike effort, as we'll, uh, as you'll hear in our interview with our guest, who will not let out of the bag just yet. Uh, but he, uh, he and yourself both mentioned. You know, I think we all talked about it. Just being a process and maybe wearing down your opponent, staying with the game plan. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. All that kind of stuff that uh, people love to throw out there. But. Um, Maybe just talk a little bit more about that here to get things started off. Just about, you know, what it takes really to stay the course in a game, and 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 you're going through that in real time. You get down early, down two nothing. Um, the O isn't going, and it ends up being the D that scores the first two goals of the game to tie things up and and really get things going. Um, but just talk about your thoughts, I guess, just about the flow of the game early on and, and what it was like when the when the D scored those two goals to kind of lift everybody up. Yeah, just the, the joy of team sports. Um, you know, and when, uh, you know, the offense could say that they weren't buzzing the way they wanted to kind of early in that game. But, you know, us as a defense could probably say we were pushing the ball too much and didn't really give them a ton of time to get settled in. Um, but, yeah, I, maybe – you know, some nerves involved there. Um, you know, guys playing in front of uh, friends and family for the first time in a long time. And, um, you know, just the nerves of opening a new season at home and wanting to perform well. Um, it was a fast-paced game at the beginning. And, and then, uh, you know, I think we settled into it and got a little bit more comfortable. Um, you know, going down two goals is, is nothing in this sport. And, um, you know, just staying patient, believing in the things that we're doing and, and, um, believing that, uh, you know, our effort and, uh, you know, our game plan will get us to where we want it to get to. Now, something else I asked you yesterday when we talked as well, but was just about something that people may have seen on social media when you were running out pregame warm up and you lost your glove. Yeah. What happened? Did that affect you? No. Did not affect me. I'm a very clumsy person. What happened? Uh, well, Shay told me that I needed to go talk with Ashley as soon as I got on the floor. 
Um, and then she also mentioned that as I was walking off the floor after the first warm up, so I was in the back of my mind. And then uh, kind of in the locker room, putting all my stuff to go out for the second warm up with the intention of going out there and taking a quick ride and going right to Ashley. But um, yeah, I, I was had my helmet on and then I was walking out and couldn't take my helmet off with my glove and then took my glove off and it fell, hit the ground. No, it didn't bother me at all. And this is the inside kind of stuff that you get here on Toronto Rock Total Access, folks. <laughs> if you drop your Nowhere glove. else. <laughs> Nowhere. All right. Um, before we jump into our interview, last point I just wanted to talk about was your thoughts on the crowd on Saturday night, the energy, and just, um, you know, we talked about that moment of running out of the, running out the tunnel, hearing the crowd, the after the anthems, all that kind of stuff. Was all that there for you on Saturday night? Yeah, it's there every time we play in front of our home fans. Um, can't, yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak better about our fans. They, uh, if there's, you know, 12,000 of them in there, if there's 4,000 of them in there, it's going to be loud, it's going to be electric, and they know lacrosse, they're a very educated group of fans, so they kind of can go with the flows of the game and they can understand it. and. Um, they understand the importance of kind of building the momentum and, and carrying that momentum, not only as us as players, but, you know, them as fans. And, um, you know, it's a special group of people that we get to play in front of. Right? Yeah, <laughs> our fans are the best. That's wonderful. Uh, all right, child, do you want to um... – well, you know, you're going to do the official intro, I guess, when we when we go into this. So um, we still have we still have quite a few things to cover here on the program today, but uh, we have a what turned out to be rather lengthy conversation with our guest this week. His first time on the podcast, Windsor's own number thirty three, and we find out why. Josh Jubinville. was this a tough get? We hadn't had him on, but. No, it's, no, it was easy it wasn't. Yet. No, it's no, easy. It was, it was, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it was... Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think after last week's episode, I walked down into the locker room and the first person and only person sitting in the locker room was Josh. And I was like, dang, what a great guest to have next week. And I asked him and he's like, oh, that'd be the first time on the pod. So it made it even easier. I think we know. It's almost like when we're sitting up here, if anybody strolls by, because he actually kind of walked by to drop off his expense report. And I was like, oh, he's here early. He's probably going to be here early next Tuesday. (laughs) It's like the wait list. Booked. (laughs) If you walk past us, we write you down here next. (laughs) All right. Well, without any further ado, let's jump into our interview with number 33, Josh Juvenville. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock, along with the co-host Challen Rogers, and we have our first in-studio guest of the season. Challen, are you excited? Very excited. All right, here it goes. The intro is yours. The first guest of the 2023-2024 season will be none other than Windsor's finest, Josh Juvenville. Welcome to the pod, Josh. Windsor's finest, I like that. Thanks for having me, guys. It's, it's good to be here. Now known to the public as Double J, Double Josh J. Juvenville. Yes. JJ. All right. Chal's got his phone out, which means his extensive 
preparatory work will now be on display. Yeah, where do we want to start? <laughs> Mike, where There's do we want to start on here? The, uh, well, I think you start in, in winter. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, I think, probably as you got older, became a little bit more of a hotbed for lacrosse, right? Um, it wasn't always a junior B team there, all that kind of stuff. So how did you get started playing lacrosse in Windsor? Yeah, I mean, kind of like anyone else who starts playing lacrosse, you have friends that have played or know people that play, and, and maybe you go to a free try lacrosse clinic or, or camp. Um, I went to uh, one of Windsor's free try lacrosse clinics with a friend that kind of introduced me to the sport. He had been playing, um, I think I was in grade three at the time. I just had a lot of fun at that free first try and um you know i was playing baseball in the summer at the time so it was a little bit of a change of pace and a, a new environment and I, I really loved loved the physicality and and the fast pace and the just overall athleticism of the sport so um i went back for another free try and um kind of just kept playing big free guy I mean, I mean, if, if it's free, you gotta you gotta try it. No, right? free's cheap. I'm I'm completely on board with that. When did like? Uh, sorry, Mike. Did you have some? I was gonna say, were you around when? Because Windsor hosted the Founders Cup, right? Yes. Were yes. you around for that? Did you experience that? Like, was that something that kind of got you excited about playing at a higher level or anyway, seeing the older guys, especially in a national championship? Yeah, definitely. I I can't remember what year exactly that was. I don't know if you guys know. Is the Oakville Buzz, was that the year they won? I can't remember. I, w I was at the games. Like, I went to some of the games. Um, Windsor's junior team was called the AKO Fratman at the time. Yeah. yeah. Fratman? Um, I think it was 2007, <laughs> if I had to guess. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it was around then for sure. 2007 yeah. or 2011, maybe. But, um, yeah, I went to a couple games there, I, you know, watching that team. Um, definitely got the juices flowing and got the interest peaking. Um, so, you know, that was a great introduction to the sport and, and what it had to offer for sure. When what, you, were you, what were you going to fire in there, Chow? When do you think, like, playing lacrosse, obviously you started, you said, around grade three. When do you think it kind of clicked for you where you kind of had the, I guess, futuristic goals of, you know, playing collegiate lacrosse or playing professional lacrosse? Like, when did things kind of, like, unfold for you where you kind of saw that being a, a potential, um, you know, thing for you. Yeah. The, the epitome for me when I was younger was always trying to play for the Fratman or, or when they turned into the Clippers, the junior B team. Um, you know, obviously Windsor being pretty far away from every other circuit in the, in the Ontario, um, format, but, um, it was, it was really just trying to play for the the Clippers and make that team and then um, kind of just play as long as I could. I didn't really have much aspiration to play after that, to be honest. Um, I didn't really plan on going to college. Um, I only got recruited by one school and, you know, luckily that kind of, um, that kind of springboarded everything else, um, you know, going, going from junior to school um, and going up to junior A and then obviously getting drafted by Oakville and then getting drafted by the Toronto Rock. Um, it kind of just all fell into place after, um, after starting to play for the Clippers. 
I was going to actually transition into a couple things you brought up there, but one was just the fact that you had played for the Oakville Rock Major Club here before you got drafted to the Toronto Rock, right? So what was that like even that summer being around here and getting to, you know, be with pros and be in this building and all that kind of stuff? Did that even just kind of just whet your appetite for things even more? Yeah, actually, now that you bring that up, that's that's that was definitely something that really, you know, got me more motivated it, it, showed me you know what lacrosse has to offer what oakville and what toronto had to offer at the time and it really just it, it um you know for lack of a better term it, it drove me uh, it motivated me and it, it really you know made me fall in love with the sport even more i think playing that first season with oakville being around the track as much as i could um you know staying with the guys at the house um you know, pretty much being up here for the whole summer or as much as I could, it really, um, it really, you know, just got, got a, or an urge inside of me. It was just, it kept growing and growing and growing and, and obviously um, it's worked out so far. I want to kind of go on the collegiate side because it's, it's a different path for him, right? Yeah, for it's sure. And, and you mentioned, uh, only got recruited by one school and that obviously I assume was Davenport Um, how did they kind of reach out to you and how was that kind of process kind of mentally because I know how hard that recruiting process is but especially kind of like you mentioned just getting recruited by that one school and kind of said obviously a great thing but did that kind of weigh on you not having a ton of options or kind of that whole process no, honestly, like I said, it, it wasn't really even in the cards for me to, to go to school in the States or, or play lacrosse collegiately. Um, I wasn't planning on it at all. Um, there had only been a couple guys from Windsor to you know go on to the States or, or go on to the next level before me anyways. Um, luckily, the coach at Davenport um, had already recruited a couple, couple guys from my team previously before me. So that, you know, the introduction phase was already kind of initiated. Um, and he had been around our team for a while. He, it's only two and a half hours um, into Michigan, so it's not a far drive at all. He would come watch games all the time, and um, he, I just stuck out to him. And, and um, you know, I got recruited out of Windsor, um, I think, when I was in grade 10, um, and I'd wasn't really planning on going anywhere with it. Um, and he, he kind of stayed consistent with it and was still, you know, pecking at me. And I, I finally woke up a bit and realized, like, this is a great opportunity. I should probably do something about it. And, and it ended up being one of, the, one of the best decisions I've ever made because it kind of, like I said, springboarded that whole momentum and, and got my lacrosse career. Um, it prolonged it for sure, um, you know, playing four years at at a college is something that not everyone gets the opportunity to do. And I thought um, it would be a little bit of a waste if I didn't take advantage of it. And then that translated into something a little bit after your school, right? Because didn't you end up doing some coaching as well? Yeah, exactly. So I finished my playing um, at Davenport. I got drafted by the Rock when I was still at school. That was when um, I think you, you just get automatically put into the draft after you're done junior and I was still at school at the time so um, it being a club school not NCAA I was able to get drafted and 
Um, I wanted to finish my schooling. Um, I finished playing uh, a year earlier than I anticipated just because I, I wanted to get started with the rock. I was itching to kind of get my uh, professional box career started. So I finished playing a year earlier than expected um, and jumped onto the coaching staff as a graduate assistant. So I started my master's um, a year after that. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, a good ride ever since then. I finished up coaching there a couple of years back and it was a good first coaching experience and it, it kind of led into some other opportunities as well. So what are you doing now in Michigan, et cetera? You've kind of relocated your life to, uh, I guess, where you essentially went to school, right? In yes. That area? So, so I, I met my, um, she's my wife now, girl, she was my girlfriend at the time. I met her through some mutual friends. Um, our schools were only down the road from each other. Um, no, no crazy story there. We just kind of intermingled with our mutual friends and kind of, um, you know, enjoyed hanging around with each other. And um, she stuck with me while I was playing for Oakville, um, living in Ontario a couple of summers and first, first two summers into our relationship. So, um, you know, obviously that commitment was there and, and it, uh, it went both ways. I was super interested in her and she was interested in me, obviously, and we, we wanted to keep things going as long as we could. And um, yeah, we ended up getting married um, October of 2022. Um, so got my green card, permanent residency in Michigan. Um, and I was lucky to uh, get promoted from a just uh, standard coaching position into a director position of a club um, similar to the rock stars here it's a club program over there um, it's called omnia so i'm i'm a one of two directors for that program nice there you go yeah college sweethearts and a job after lacrosse in lacrosse yeah so that's it's, great it's, it's perfect full-time lacrosse <laughs> close to close to home close to ontario and it's kind of the best of both worlds that's good. Now, when you mentioned, you said, you know, not many guys had come out of Windsor and, and uh, gone the college route. But one guy that did come out of Windsor is a famous guy in Toronto rock history. And that's Brett Hickey, yeah. who I don't believe, if my memory serves me correct, that he never played any junior A at all. He went junior B right to pro, essentially. And obviously it was out in Vancouver and then signed as a free agent with the rock. And in 2015, the only 50 goal scorer in Toronto rock history that uh, magical season in 2015 that saw the rock get to the finals. But was he a guy that was on your radar as like a little bit of an inspiration as a guy who come from Windsor and, and not only not gone and played junior A, even though you did end up going, going to play junior A, but just kind of a little bit of a guy that you might have looked up to a bit? Yeah, definitely. Him being more of an offensive player and me being more of a defensive player, it's a little bit different. But seeing him, you know, make that step and, and, Take that route to the NLL was definitely something that I, I got inspiration and motivation from. Just seeing it is possible, and you know it, it might be hard, it might be challenging, but it's definitely doable. So seeing him do it and having that success that he had was was something I looked up to for sure. And we didn't have you know um, much communication. Him and I, we weren't really. Um, I don't think we played on the same team ever. He was a bit older than I am, so um, we never really crossed paths too much. But, um, you know, just seeing him come from Windsor and, and kind of stick it out in Junior B and make it to the NLL is, 
it's something that doesn't happen very much. So, um, you know, it, it was definitely something I was was watching and was seeing how it unfolded, and and um, definitely something that not only I but a lot of other kids from Windsor look up to. For sure. I mean, he's quite a story on his own, like you say, just going the junior B route and then uh, just kind of really struggling a little bit in his early years and then just coming here and really being, I can remember even his training camp, one of, I think, four guys, four righties probably fighting for two spots. He ended up kind of getting that spot and then it was like just took off like crazy. And the fact that he's the only 50 plus goal scorer in Toronto Rock history is, it is pretty wild. And Maybe this year we'll see that uh, that record fall, but so far nobody's been able to do it uh, except him in all these years with the Toronto Rock. So, um, Charles, is there anywhere you want to go? Or uh, yeah, I'm going. Uh, okay, all right. <laughs> um, <you laughs> this talk. is usually the way these interviews go, yeah. Jubes. As I yeah, throw yeah, a few, then I'm like, "Hey, Charles, you got anything?" <laughs> Sometimes, no, keep going. Or yeah, I got one. You guys just yeah. keep firing away. <laughs> yeah. Um, talk about Omni Lacrosse. Uh, you senior director and things like that what ages do you coach or did you coach and what age is your favorite to coach that's a great question so uh, we have teams all the way up from u10 to um, varsity in high school um, <laughs> for all the canadian listeners it's grade 12 so we have you know we cover that age gap and and it's it's really special to see you know, if, if when we're coaching kids at the young age and see them develop and grow throughout the program and see how they you know, grow, not only as lacrosse players, but as as human beings as well, it's really special. And I don't know if I have one particular favorite age group to coach, um, but it is definitely fun to, you know, be able to change gears a bit going from the high school players that, you know, have that more experience and, and better understanding of the game and also being able to teach just basic fundamentals of lacrosse to the younger kids that might just be starting out or might just be you know getting into the game a bit more um it, it's it's a different environment and a different atmosphere with you know going from a u10 practice to a high school practice it's it's a different level of intens intensity for sure um, and it's just uh, it's good overall experience getting to you know coach and and develop these kids from young age all the way up to the high school seniors and moving into their college careers. I feel like you ask any coach who's kind of in the position where they're at you know that super young age and then obviously that super old age, and I, I feel like that's always the answer. Like no, yeah, I don't, don't want to you know I don't want to leave anyone out. I, I really enjoy coaching all of them and, and helping all of them with their lacrosse um, careers and skills and abilities and, and knowledge. It's, it's just a matter of being able to switch on and switch off from the different uh, mindsets that you use in a high school environment and a, a youth environment. I'm sure you can relate to that. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, especially I feel like when I started, like here at the track, varying ages, it, there's times where I was like teaching you know, 10 year olds, 12 year olds. And like, looking back on it, you're like, ah, it's probably a little bit too advanced for them. Mm -hmm. So like, like you said, you really do have to change your kind of thought process and, and uh, 
when talking with the younger. Yeah, younger and I find that it, it helps me as a player kind of realize and, and think things through a little bit differently as well when I'm coaching kids how to do something or I'm coaching, you know, a system or, or plays or um, how to read situations. It, it helps me understand things a bit more and, and apply what I'm teaching to my playing time as well. 100%. You're always learning. Always learning. Always learning. And how much are you taking from, you know, the rock coaching staff, for example, or coaches from your past and implementing that in your um, in your coaching strategies and tactics when you're when you're dealing with kids of different ages? Like, I mean, I'm sure you're out here learning new stuff all the time from, you know, the rock coaching staff. But how are you kind of spinning that around in your day to day? Yeah, it's 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 really unique that I get that opportunity to see these guys coach and help them coach at the track and and with everything that's going on here and kind of pick and choose things to implement and and move over into my program it's it's a really special opportunity that I have to kind of see both sides of it Um, and I I definitely use some strategies and some uh, um, you know drills and and ways of teaching things all the time Um, whether it's at a box practice or a field practice, just that ability to have people around you that have different perspectives and different um, experiences um, knowledge-wise and, you know, hands-on experience. Um, It's it's definitely something I take advantage of all the time and and try to um, use to my advantage whenever I can. One thing I was also going to say, and I don't know if I'm going to phrase this all correctly, but hopefully we can get to the... uh right spot in the point I'm trying to make here, but there's a lot of guys that end up coaching high level junior A, say for example, but are still playing in this league. Could be a teammate of yours or, you know, and you can probably pick a situation from another team, but how do you see those guys kind of like change maybe sometimes and still exist in that NLL format where they've gotten to a point where they're a pretty good coach themselves, but then they've got their coaches here telling them what to do and not necessarily that they're sitting there going, well, maybe I'd do this a little bit different, mm-hmm. but like how those guys who have become really good coaches and, and maybe you're starting to find yourselves in that too, where like you're really good coaches, maybe yourselves and you're still getting coached in a game. And it's like, you know, maybe I'd coach this game a little bit different, not to say that anybody's doing anything wrong. And that's what I was kind of wanted to get to, but you know, what, like, how do you see those guys evolve and, you find yourselves, both of you, in that situation sometimes. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, Like I said, I try to kind of piece apart everything that I'm absorbing from coaches that I'm, um, you know, connected to um, and try to kind of create a, a best-case scenario where I um, combine what I'm thinking with another great point from something that a coach has taught me or showed me and kind of create that best case scenario for the kids in my program um, just so they have that overall knowledge and they understand it from different points of view and um, you know I might miss something that Challen could be teaching his team and I see and and I make a mental note of that or something that um, Coach Sawyer is telling our team in the middle of an NLL game Um, it's, it's all something it's all stuff that can be reformulated and kind of reshaped into a way that's simple enough for them to understand but also um, something that will challenge them to make them better if that answers the question it kind of because i think of like say a guy like dan mccray 
right? Who was playing in this league, you know, not long ago, obviously. <laughs> but he was coaching Junior A lacrosse, a head coach, respected coach. And then, you know, he's popping right into a NLL bench right over his career. Like, he's reached this spot where, like, he could be coaching the NLL team he's playing for, like at the time he's playing kind of thing. And I always wonder about that, that dynamic when guys do get a little bit older and how they function within within their teams. But Yeah, I have a little, I don't know if, if Chow can agree with me here, but I have a little bit of a different approach to when I'm playing versus when I'm coaching. Yeah, okay. Um, guys on my team and our team could probably agree that I'm a little bit uh, intense in my in my playing style I'm a little bit more reserved on on you know um, in, in the pregame time or or during practice um, but when I'm coaching I try to be a little bit more uh, how do I say not personable but a little more understanding of, of the kids attitudes and and what's going on through their head whereas when I'm playing I'm I'm more just focused on what I have to do and I have a little bit of a different approach to it Jeeves is killing these answers I'm just like <laughs> it's one of those ones I'm just sitting back You're and just appreciating what yourself, he's saying eh? yeah like it even like go back to your point of just like the constant learning and and being in a position where you can work with the Omnia kids in Michigan and then obviously being up here around a ton of us who are doing like the rockstar stuff and the junior rock lead and stuff like that and it, you're always trying to like absorb as much as possible from like everyone you're around and i feel like that's what's ultimately going to grow the lacrosse community is people bouncing lacrosse people bouncing lacrosse ideas off one another and, and hopefully evolving you know coaching hopefully evolving the game hopefully evolving rules and stuff like that but and then you, you talked about like the player side and it's it's the same thing. Like you wanna learn, you watch other teams play to pick up on, you know, us being more so defensive, pick up on offensive guys' tendencies and and even like in the transition game or offensive guys, you're like you watch Lyle and just how he finishes in tight. Like you can take little things where you can kinda implement that into your game. Um I mean, it's hard to do things that Lyle's doing out there, but <laughs> do it. I'm just, do I'm it. just, right. yeah, you know, like, I mean, I've watched Lyle play since he was, uh, you know, a sophomore in university and played him every, every year. So I've seen him play a lot, but, um, I, I mean, just like watching other players and just trying to, like you said, kind of gain perspective in different situations and trying to add that to your game. Great answers, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Fantastic. Um, do we want to fast forward a little bit and talk uh, present day Toronto Rock? Yeah, let's do it. I want to talk about the goal on Saturday night. First goal of the season. First celly of the season. First, all that stuff. That's what I wanted to get into was the celly. <laughs> <laughs> there was some pointing. There was some jersey. There was I. I gotta. You gotta run us through the whole thing. The range of emotions and after the ball went in the net and and if you were pointing at someone or down I just, anyways run us through it yeah i mean it, it starts with uh a great defensive set and and rosie makes a good save and i'm just luckily lucky enough to be in a good spot where i can run up the floor and and get a pass from rosie he throws a good ball to me and um yeah just running down in transition i saw i had an opportunity to take a good shot and a couple minutes earlier I had a previous opportunity and and um, Higgy stopped me 
I was aiming for the far side. So this time I was thinking a little bit more and, and pulled it back short side, um, you know, referencing B. Miller's great film analysis. Um, he was giving up some good pointers of where to shoot. But, um, yeah, I just got my hands free and, and was using my speed towards the net. Took a good shot. Lucky it went in. And, uh, and after that, every everyone kind of just has the same, you know, reaction of, you know, excitement and and um, happiness after a goal, but um, yeah, I was a little bit uh, I was a little sour that Philly got the first two goals, and um, you know, I was I was just super pumped up to get that one for the team, and um, I, I made eye contact with I think it was I think it was Troy's cousin. He was telling me after <laughs> he was just sitting right there, and and I made eye contact with him, and we, we've talked a few times after games and stuff so I knew who it was um and I was just I think him and I were on the same page where we were we were thinking like this is our house like we yeah. should we should have all the <laughs> momentum the energy should be on our side so I was just kind of given that little uh this is our house point um and then pulled a couple tugs on the logo get the fans going a little bit and, and it was great uh, I think it I think it really woke the place up because then brad scored right after right after yeah eight seconds later i think something that was quick yeah but i wasn't sure if it was one of the doctors because i felt like the doctors were sitting in that area too so i didn't know if you had a someone with one of the <laughs> no, yeah i just i saw everyone sitting down so i wanted to get them yeah. a little fired up and it worked try to, try to get them off their feet it yeah. worked it was big because feet rather a little bit of a slow start a little, a little bit of a slow start. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know. Had chances, but like you're saying, I mean, Higgy stopped you on a, on a really good chance moments before you actually scored. But, yeah, he made some very, very good saves in the first 10 minutes of that game. Slow slow start goal-wise, but I, I feel like it was fast. Oh, was yeah. fast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Which, he's, he's a good goalie. He makes it hard for anyone he's playing against. But, I mean, it, it was our first real game of the year, and, um, you don't want to say it's expected to have a slow start, but sometimes it takes a minute or two just to, you know, get in the right flow and and um, get in the groove again. So you're talking about the pace right off the hop of that game. Do you think that was kind of a product of them already having played once and and being ready to go right off the right off the opening whistle there, or was that? I feel like it was more us. I just yeah, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say we were kind of following them around, but I mean. Our preseason games, we always had good pace, so uh, we knew we would we would be able to run on them a little bit. And you know, just playing them two weeks prior, I think we had a good scout on them and knew what we could do um, to accomplish our goals. But it was it was just you know shot. We were getting shots. We were we were playing good defense. They had a couple of good shots, but um, you know that's that's how lacrosse goes. Now beyond your goal. Was there anything that you guys, either you guys thought that kind of swung the momentum in that game? Anything specific at all, or was it just kind of a process? I think it was just a process. Like you kind of said in the beginning, yeah. uh, we didn't have the start we wanted, but, you know, it's, that's a game of lacrosse. You kind of have to soak the soak the waves and soak the runs and, and kind of pile up your own. And it's it's not kind of going out there and scoring right away and, and you're you know, your first, second, third shift, it's just kind of building consistency. And it's the consistency and shifts 
whether that's defensive or defensive or offensive, you know, like go out there on D and you're just great communicating, we're cross-checking, we're keeping them on the outside, we're kind of, we're tight. That's a great shift, right? And we just want to keep on packing those up. Same thing on offense, you know, moving the ball, we're getting cutters, you're just kind of constant movement. We're getting great looks. They're not falling, but we're getting good looks. It's just kind of building up that consistency and, and gradually, I, I heard Maddie say it on a post-game uh Post game interview. It's after sixty minutes. Yeah, you know, I was just gonna say that. The, <laughs> usually, the most consistent team will kind of pull through at the end. So, um, and I feel like we're we're really good at that kind of keeping mental peace. I guess we're not we don't freak out kind of when we're down two, down three. It doesn't really matter. It's just kind of sticking with what we know what to do and and uh, just kind of piling those on top of one another. Nailed it. I don't know if that was supposed to go to Jews or not. Who's our guest? But <laughs> <laughs> that's good when both of you guys chime in no, on that's stuff. But it was much what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, watching from above and everything, it did seem like that. It was just. I felt like at some point in the second quarter, for I don't know why, but it just seemed like. And I even think on the mic, I said something happened. I think even on defense, and I just said, "Oh, the the boys are dialed in now," or something like that. And I, that's just where I felt like. It wasn't necessarily a goal or a play or anything, but it just seemed like it felt like in the second quarter at some point it was just like, okay, now now things are just going to roll downhill for us. And, and not that it was as easy by any means, but it just seemed like um, we were kind of ready to take control of that game at that point. But Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of time. If you keep doing the right things consistently, it's just a matter of time before um, bounces start falling your way and, and getting calls and balls start going to the net and, Defense gets more stops. It's just a snowball effect. Chal, you got anything else you want to fire up? Do you have anything else? Up? I, I got think I, I got some rapid fire questions. Yeah, I think it's okay. Time for Chal rapid fire. <laughs> my, my wife and I always do this rapid fire question game, and I always she always catches me thinking. So I gotta try not to I'm gonna catch you thinking here because some of these aren't the best rapid fire questions, but some of them are good. So, um, how many do we have here? Two, four, six, eight. Eight, okay. All right. I Maybe seven. Bad eyes. Um, <laughs> all right. Ready? Why 33? Oh, well, I was number three pretty much my whole uh, minor career, junior career. Uh, I wore 15 in Six Nations just because that was an available number. But 33, um, number three was taken when I got to Oakville. Uh, senior B, it was uh, the Titans. Oh, um, right, yeah. So yeah. number three was taken. So I like I like doing things in threes, and I just it's it's like a, I don't want to say OCD thing, but I just like doing things in threes, and and um, so I just doubled it to thirty three. Love it. Okay, I'm gonna pause the rapid fire question <laughs> because <laughs> no, okay, because James brings up the Titans and. Going back to that summer where you were playing the Titans, you were also playing for the Oakville Rock, I think. Yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like you and Slater. Yeah. It just and I just Craiger. And, and Craig. Craig. I yeah. I remember being around that and like listening to you guys. Yeah, we got a game tonight. We got a game tomorrow. Then Wednesday. <laughs> I think there was uh, yeah, I think there was this oh, I'm gonna botch this, but there was a time at the end of the year, it was during playoffs, because yeah. we were both in playoffs. I think we played. Uh, I want to. I have a Snapchat memory of it, but I, I think we played seven games in seven days during playoffs, and that was wild. 
I do. And we both survive. It's crazy. It just that's a lot on the body. Back to the rapid fire okay, questions. Yes. Now we're back in it. Pre-game, Red Bull or coffee? Coffee. Favorite jersey you've worn for the Rock? Oh, I'd have to think about. It. See, I got to think about this yeah. one. Um, the Indigenous one was really cool. The Rock City, the black and gold. That's always a good one. Um, what other ones did we wear? Oh, I'm gonna say the um, the Tucker out lymphoma. That was a good one. I agree. I love that jersey. That was one of my favorite ones. Um, over the year headphones or butts? This is gonna blow your mind. I wear AirPods to the game. Switch out for over the year Beats for my <laughs> for my personal warm up. So both. I'll say both, but uh, before a game, over the year beats why the change up get louder get it gets louder and i block everything else out yeah noise canceling yeah um whole foods or basil box whole foods Damn every time uh your favorite pre-game meal are we talking day before or <laughs> right before <laughs> uh day before day before i like a good um steak potatoes and some kind of vegetables, um, carb load as much as I can, some pasta sometimes. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, this, this is kind of a different question, but I've obviously been around you for a long time. I've seen you look like the Hulk, and I've seen you look like what you do now, which is the Hulk, just not green. <laughs> um, what's the heaviest you've ever been? Um, the heaviest weight I've been at was 200 um so that was coming out of covid the season right after covid um yeah i spent that whole year year and a half basically just focusing on building as much muscle as i could what's the lightest the lightest i mean in in the last what five years or so. yeah um 180 okay yeah. so love it uh, okay, last one. Water or biosteel? Biosteel. Got it. Plain water is, is great, but you got to mix it up sometimes. I agree. Okay. Flavored, favorite flavored biosteel. What's the red one we always have? I think it's just mixed berry. Mixed berry. <laughs> I'll throw a little salt in the water to, to uh, keep my taste buds entertained, but. I'm drinking, you know, a gallon a day. Yeah, he's water, walking around water with a milk jug. Boring sometimes. Yeah, I hear you on that. And that that concludes challenge rapid fire questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was a fantastic first appearance on the podcast. Uh, not only for the season, but definitely for you, Jubes. Great job, and uh, I think we really got uh, some insight for the fans in Rock City. A little bit more about uh, who you are and what makes you tick. So it was great. Yeah, awesome. A lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Okay. Hopefully we'll do this again uh, sometime soon. All right. That was Josh Jubinville of the Toronto Rock. We will take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access and be back to wrap it up in a moment.
Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Thanks to Monster Truck for playing us out of the break there. Big news. Saturday night, of course, announced in-game and this week on social media. Hamilton's home Monster Truck will be playing live at halftime on Saturday, December the 30th when we take on the New York Riptide. Get your tickets now at torontorock.com and make sure, Chow, you absolutely, and I know you will anyways, but you have to watch the next episode of the documentary, which will be dropping in early January because... We did a little special visit with Monster Truck, obviously, to record those bits with Chris Bushy, and he gets on the drums, and he's phenomenal. Like, phenomenal. Popped it. in and played their song with them twice in a row. Like, we did two takes of it for video and nailed it both times. And even the band was like, it was close to Bush was almost getting an offer to be their backup drummer. Wow. And I'm not kidding at all. I love that. He was so good, and he was so good, and he loved every minute of it, and he hadn't played drums in, in a while, and uh, it, it was hilarious because the night before, um, just texting with him, and he's like, is there anything I need to prepare? And I said, well, learn a Monster Truck song tonight. And when we sat down, you'll see he just goes, oh, yeah, like the song that kind of goes, and, 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 and they were like, yep, let's play that one. Boom, they started, it plugged in. It was on. It was so cool. Because for, for somebody who like, you know, if there was a musical instrument I ever wanted to play, I do not have any musical talent whatsoever. <laughs> it would be the drums. And so just to see somebody sit there and just pick it up and just play like that, it's like, it, it's so cool. I always, that's one thing, you know, I, I get it. It takes a lot of skill to play piano, keyboard, be able to sing, of course, play the guitar, all those things. But I, for whatever reason, I just think, the drums has always been so cool. But. I feel like the drums is kind of, I mean, playing the piano, like you can look at something, you can like read music. And yeah. I'm not classically trained in music either. Um, but <laughs> like, you know, you're reading it and, you know, yeah. you can just kind of read and you're playing, you know, kind of yeah. what's down. But I feel like with drums, it's all you're hearing. Like it's you listening to, you know, the guitars, you're listening to everything else and you're you just kind of play around and but also you aren't could, you kind of driving the boat too like yeah you're also you're driving off, the boat like, but i feel like you're I've, the beat you i've been on youtube where like you yeah. have drummers playing the same song differently or it's like this mm -hmm. is how uh this person plays this song this is how this person plays a song and they're very similar they have the same kind of beat obviously with timing but they have those slight differences so i don't know and maybe some of our listeners are just sitting there like, wow, this guy's a complete idiot. He has no idea what's <laughs> going on with the music. But I feel like I've seen things like that and, and drumming's more kind of feel rather than kind of, you know, you're reading it and playing it. So this brings me to something that we should we should talk about for some guests coming in here. And it's kind of drumming related, but just popped in my head because afterwards I popped on Instagram after we uh, had shot that last Thursday, I think it was Friday, Thursday, Wednesday. Anyways, last week. And I hopped on Instagram and looked at the Instagram story. And good friend of the show here, Tom Stewart of Tom Stewart and Austin Alexander. Um, I noticed he was drumming and taking like requests on Instagram of like, what song should I cover? And he's, he's playing the drums. And uh, if anybody saw social on saturday night during the game they would know that we we kind of had a suite of influencers together austin alexander tom stewart a few other guys were in there too coach chippy 
of course was there too like so there were there was it was a pretty cool kind of little group that uh austin actually assembled for us um but maybe we get austin and tom on here for a little podcast interview at some point that'd be funny i yeah. think that would be great yeah oh. yeah okay You're, uh, you would have to book that guess. Yeah, okay yes <laughs> Yes, I keep texting Austin Alexander by mistake every time I try to te- text Alex Vandervloot from our documentary. I just type in Alex and then autofill and hit tab and start typing. And yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Done that twice in the last like 48 hours. Uh, anyways, okay, so let's jump in very deep to our mailbag chat. Deep. And of course, like we say, fire in your uh, questions. And next week, you know what? We're throwing this down right now. Email total access at torontorock.com with your questions for the podcast, more so for Chow probably, but uh, for the podcast. And each week we're going to select the best question and award a Toronto Rock prize pack. Oh, prize pack. Yes. Including some swag, maybe some tickets, something. By the time this is out on social, we'll have nailed down what the uh, prize pack will be. But there will be a rock prize pack given away the mailbag. So we have a couple of questions coming this week. Um, or sorry, we've selected a couple of questions from the many questions that were submitted this week. Um, and unfortunately, since the contest starts next week, none of you will be <laughs> eligible for the prize. But, you know, I feel like one, one person is going to be a repeat question asker. Maybe, yeah. They'll I come feel back. Like, yeah. yeah, they're going to be coming back yeah. weekly. Okay, so our first one um, comes from a couple of young fans, Henry and Edie. Okay, and I actually knew this question was legitimately going to come up because <laughs> if you you probably weren't paying attention, but maybe you saw it in, in-game, we had the Icebreaker quiz, an iceberg vodka promo, multiple choice, what is Challen Rogers' favorite snack? I I heard this. You heard about as it? Okay. I was, as I was, I don't know, when did we play this? Like third, fourth quarter? Yeah, you weren't calling out like, it's C. No, I was I was listening. To, I was. What the choices were and if this really was your favorite snack? Yeah. And I, I know like, it's oh, one of your favorite snacks. So maybe it's yeah, one of them. Okay. But I've also answered this question since then multiple times by a lot of different people. Really? Yeah. A lot of people are like, are you, are, are you for real here? Like, are they frozen fries? There's the answer. Spoiler alert. That Uh, is her question from Henry and Edie because, you know, when we wrote it, we made a point of putting frozen crinkle cut fries. Yeah, and the details matter. Yes, and the the big detail there was frozen, which kind of made it unique, and that's why the question was there. So even, like, the choices, (laughs) the other two choices were very, like, I think it was ketchup Ketchup chips chips. and popcorn, I think maybe it was the other one, something like that, and – um frozen crinkle cut fries so it was like okay is c the total swerve answer that it's like no that can't be true or is it the outlier that's like it's so odd that that's got to be the correct answer so we knew that that was probably going to play tricks with people um it did unfortunately because yeah. the person i Take think they picked chips. their own i think yeah, they're I like think, i like ketchup yeah, chips. They're like, i like them so child does <laughs> well that was last the wrong on answer. last yeah. on the list for me on those yeah. three really but you say okay. that, you know, the details is in the frozen. My detail is the crinkle cut. <laughs> because, like, someone came up coaching okay, Junior Rock Lead on Monday nights. Yeah. So junior age kids, 17 to 21. 
um, walking on the floor. One of them was like, so can I ask you something? I'm like, yeah, of course. And he's like, so is it frozen? Like heated up frozen? Like you take them out and then you heat them up and then you eat them kind of cold, kind of warm? I'm like, no. You take them right out of the freezer, you get a nice bowl, and you throw your McCain crinkle cuts in there, and you just now on them. Sometimes you, you let them thaw a little bit. they obviously a little bit nicer on the teeth, but it's something I haven't done in like a really long time. Like this is kind of blown up over the years, and it just keeps on getting brought up. Uh, but like when I was a kid, that was like high school age, I would – it kind of stopped near college because I just wasn't buying myself fries in <laughs> dorm rooms. But um, whenever I was home or in high school or I guess nowadays, just randomly, I'll be like, oh, nice bowl of crinkle cuts. It'll be nice. <laughs> so the second part of Henry and Edie's question. Sorry, can I just cut you off there? Yeah. I've heard a lot of people also be like, wow, that's disgusting. That's so gross. And I'm but like, it's not really gross. But I'm like, have like, you tried it yet? Yeah. And they're like, no. So it's like, hmm, maybe give it a try. And then you can tell me your honest opinion. Well, because, like, who hasn't eaten a cold fry in their day? Yeah. Right? So this is to another level, obviously, but it's still a French fry. Like, Yeah. And it's McCain crinkle cut. It's the best one out there. Like, trust me, I've had frozen, like, the ones you get from McDonald's where they're, like, just no texture. It's just a torpedo potato. And you try that. Trust me, it's not nearly as good. You need the texture. Okay. And it's got a different flavor. So then part two of the question is, is there any dips associated with with it? No, just straight? Just straight. Okay. They have, like, a nice flavor to them, frozen. And if you cook them, they probably have the exact same flavor. Just a little bit. They can burn your mouth. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll move on. Our next uh, question, and he's got a couple questions here. So we'll see we'll see if we get to them all here or not. But uh, first of all, um, let's start with yeah number one here from Brad, who is a longtime listener and a big fan. He says he's back. For another year of trying to be the number one Toronto Toronto Rock Total Access podcast fan. I think uh, and followed I think he up got by the saying, award last I, year. I don't expect to be picked. <laughs> Surprise, okay. Brad. Surprise. <laughs> you were picked. Okay, so question number one. Challen, who is one former rock player that you wish you had the chance to play with? Um, that's a great question. One I truly haven't really thought about. Um, but just kind of, see, now I'm thinking about it to just switch my answer. Um, there's two guys. Um, one of them, obviously number seven, Colin Doyle, uh, obviously being coached by him, being around him over the years and just got to know him as a, as a, as a person. And, um, Obviously, he's very gifted, and, and I would have just loved to be able to play with him and see how intense and stuff he was on the floor. <laughs> um, and then the other is Pat Coyle, who uh, he's also up there in the intensity level. But I, he's a he's a guy I used to watch 
um, as a kid when I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old in uh, Coquillum when he was playing for the senior Adnax. And, and I, I just remember watching him just two-hand guys like it was his job. And it was his job. And I, I just remember watching it being like, I don't know if I could soak that. Um, <laughs> and that was at the senior level, not the NLL level. And, and I know I've brought this up in maybe last year, but the, uh, the kind of NLL documentary, rock semi-documentary called War on the Floor uh, that came out like, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe 20, 20 years ago. About 20 years ago. Now, um, yeah. uh, kind of goes over Pat Coyle's career and there's just, uh, there's like a snippet of, of Coyle's, it's Coyle, I think it's called Coyle's Corner and it's just him just blowing, Burying guys. Burying. blowing people up. And just continual suspendable hits. Yeah. And, and he can, Pat coached me in junior for a year and um, just kind of know him as a personal, on a personal level. So it would have been cool to kind of play yeah. with both those guys. So, yeah, like Charles says, if you're wondering, if you, if you don't know anything about Pat Coyle or don't remember him playing, you can get a little snippet. Uh, and of course he's a former NLL defensive player of the year. Um, he's in the Rock Hall of Fame, the NLL Hall of Fame. Like he's uh, he's done it all. He's head coach, NLL champion. Like he's uh, he's done it all in the NLL. Um, next question: What is the one promotional night that you look forward to the most each year? Theme night. Yeah, no, I know. Okay, sorry, just... you're looking. I didn't know if you're. Um, I'm probably going to go with the, uh, indigenous night, um, indigenous heritage night. Um, I have some indigenous blood. I'm a quarter, uh, indigenous and, um, it's a special night just to kind of respect where the, where the game came from and, and the roots of it. And, um, you know, it's a special, special opportunity to just, just honor the game and, and um, you know, the roots of it and the heritage of it. And um, being Native, it's it's even extra special. So, um, and I also think that we get the coolest jerseys when during the Indigenous Nights. The people that have created those over the past couple of years have done an excellent job. And, um, you know, it seems to be a, a rock hit every year. Well, I think we've got another winner coming this year. It'll be announced and uh, revealed soon. It's uh, a bit of a twist on, you know, the first two years jersey and uh, still going with the uh, light jersey. Uh, we're not going back to a dark jersey for this one, but uh, yeah, that'll be uh, unveiled soon once uh, everything is signed off on. So keep your eyes out uh, for that. Um, I think... Here's a big question. You're still going to be around here next week, right? Yep. Yeah. So we don't need to get into Christmas yet. I just had a couple of notes here. Um, your mom continues to be on a win streak, right? Keeps the win streak alive. Yep. Okay. That's good. Check. Um, bye week here. Bye week. From a business standpoint and a operation standpoint, this schedule that we have this year might be the best thing ever. <laughs> it is awesome. We were talking about that in a meeting here this morning. Uh, it, it's great. Like, you know, we're not really skipping a beat with home games. We're still kind of like staggered out. Lots of time for people to kind of get themselves organized. And uh, December 30th looks like it's going to be an awesome crowd, monster truck, all that stuff. The game's uh 
pacing very well for us. And, you know, and then we've got a little bit of a break again in terms of home games and that back to back at the end of January and Buffalo is one of those. So it's, everything's kind of ramping up the right way. And these bye weeks fall nicely over the, over the Christmas break and that, but as a player, (laughs) maybe a different story. I don't know. What do you think of, you know, having, you know, we won't play our fourth game until January 12th against Halifax, uh, where some teams will probably be five, six games deep at that point. Um, what do you think of the bye weeks and the schedule here as a player? Um, certainly different. I think it puts a lot of, uh, uh, not more pressure, but it, it puts a higher, can't think of the word right importance? now. Importance. There it is. There it is. Higher <laughs> importance on, you know, the games that we do play. If we're, if we manage to lose against Philadelphia, we have two weeks here of thinking about it, watching film, maybe overthinking about it. Um, lucky to pull that. Well, not lucky, but we earned it. Uh, good win. Um, so it's nice that, you know, we can go on this bye with the win, not thinking about, um, you know, the negatives a whole lot. Um, but yeah, it's certainly difficult, I guess you could say, to kind of get in a rhythm um, with so many buys. But, you know, that's the schedule we were given and that's the schedule we're going to play. So it's just, you know, to face adversity and, and we'll do that as a group and we'll get better in our bye weeks and, um, you know, be at our best whenever we do end up playing games. And I will say I will kind of equate this to something. So when, you know, nobody ever, and I think you can say this universally across the board with any on all team, you never want to lose going into a bye week, which I think you kind of just referenced there, right? And I'll kind of equate that to like in the summer, playing junior maybe, long bus trip. Never want to lose yeah. <laughs> coming home on the long bus trip. It kind of kind of feels the same. You got too much time to overthink it, but definitely as it pertains to the NLL, <clears throat> that extra time on a bye week is is the worst. Like you say, you, you overanalyze everything. And I know like, you know, from being around it here, it's just, you know, now you've got two weeks to think and then you just know, a bad then you just vibe. rethink it again. Like yeah. it, it's, you have your regular, like the week after, I feel like the, the breakdown and you figure out what went wrong and everything. And then you start a new week and it's almost like, okay, fresh look at things. Yeah. <laughs> Let's reevaluate one more time here. And maybe things weren't so bad. It kind of gives you a bit of that, cooling off period but it's that that first week right after when you know there's no game and no opportunity to just jump back and redeem yourself that uh kind of gets a bit rough bit rough um okay child do we i know everybody's <laughs> amped to get in the room here and get a video and get going so should we skip what what you're watching yeah let's skip it let's skip i haven't it watched any all right we'll save it up for next week and we'll we'll try to talk some Christmas stuff next week and, and that before we take our own little Christmas break. Love it. Even though there won't really be a true Christmas break this year since nope. December 22nd on the road, December 30th at home. Not a big break this year. No. We'll discuss that next week. Can't wait. All right. So that will about wrap things up. Don't forget, we're back home on Saturday, December the 30th, when we take on the New York Riptide. Four o'clock game time. Monster Truck is in the house, chal. Halftime performance. Get your tickets now at torontorock.com. They are moving fast. Do not wait. You want the best possible seat. You better go get it now because it may be gone before you know it. And what do our listeners need to do to get in on the prize pack? 
All they need to do is send us a question to totalaccess at torontorock.com and we will select one lucky listener as the recipient of a Toronto Rock prize pack. Check it out on social to see just what that prize pack is going to be. And then next week we will begin a rope. We will begin awarding it. Can't wait. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited to see all the, the questions that we get on top of the ones that we've already had. And let's do it. Okay. All righty. So that will about wrap things up. In the meantime and in between time for Challen Rogers, I am Mike Hancock. That's it. That's all. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access is over and done with. We will chat next week. Beep, beep.